success is just one more try after failure. Um, it's okay to fail, just keep on trying until you get to be successful. From Nas Legacy and Rising Girl, this is Break the Glass, the podcast that speaks to trailblazing women who have overcome barriers to rise up and achieve their dreams. I am your host, Saj. You can change your mind. In fact, you probably should change your mind. You should never be afraid to walk into an open room, into a room and, and open the doors, keep an open mind. In my case, that was hopping on a plane, going to Tokyo. I was terrified. Of course, going into the first business meeting, I was terrified. Walking off the plane, I was terrified. But you should never be afraid to just walk into the room and, and give it a go. A smile opens doors. I am your host, Saj. We were really excited to talk to Gillian Keegan MP. She currently serves as a parliamentary undersecretary to the Department of Education and is Minister for Apprenticeships. And in 2017, she became the first female MP for Chichester. She talked to us about her winding career and how you should grasp every opportunity that comes your way. So when I was at school, which was a failing comprehensive school uh, in Liverpool, um, so I guess that was one of the first challenges I had to overcome, um, which was a, it was a comprehensive school in Knowsley, um, which I've since found out, I didn't know at the time, are famous uh, in educational circles as being um, some of the worst in the country. And uh, whilst I was at school, uh, not many people, in fact, nobody went to university, and I wanted to be a hairdresser. Uh, I like my hair, I've always styled my hair, even still that stayed with me, and that's what I wanted to do. I had a random conversation one day with a teacher, and he persuaded me to apply for a technical apprenticeship in a car factory. A bit random, but I, I thought I would go with him. I thought, you know, listen to your teachers, um, and I'd give it a whirl. And I got the apprenticeship, and it was the best, best decision I ever made. Well, I didn't even really make the decision. I was guided in the decision by somebody else. The, the apprenticeship I applied for turned out to be what would now be called a rotational degree level apprenticeship. And it was a brilliant foundation. I would say the best foundation for anybody entering into a business career. So that's what I decided to do. I, I, I followed that road that was in front of me. I'd learned such a lot during my apprenticeship. I'd studied one day a week um, up to degree level and I pursued a business career. After about eight years in the car factory, I started a job in a bank. At 26, Gillian found herself on a plane on her way to Tokyo to negotiate a multi-million pound deal for Narist. Uh, again, something completely random. Uh, who would have thought that both my boss and his boss would leave within a month of each other? I did this. I was working in Tokyo for about two and a half years and I learned such a lot. It was a completely different culture. It was, um, everything was different. They didn't accept even women in business then. So that was the other challenge I had to overcome. Um, in the Japanese business world, in the 90s as it was, there were very few women working in business. And if they were, even if they were qualified, they'd usually wear a uniform and would bring tea and coffee into a meeting and were not allowed to speak. So I was highly unusual. I was 26. I was a businesswoman, I was the lead negotiator, um, and I was taller than most of them as well. So uh, let's just say they found me very difficult to deal with, and I had to overcome a lot of 
um, I guess, prejudice and misogyny. Um, but in the, in the end, they kind of got used to me and actually made some very, very good friends on that journey. That started a love of international business, which lasted for nearly 30 years. I never thought when I was at school that I would be in international business, but suddenly there I was, I suddenly ended up an international businesswoman. I worked in London, I worked in Tokyo, I worked in New York, and I worked in Madrid. Um, I lived in Madrid for eight years and I traveled pretty much all over the world. After working, Gillian decided to go back into education. So in my early 40s, I decided I'd go back to study. And this was the first time um, since I had to study full-time since I'd left school at 16. So I'd, I'd never gone to full-time university. Um, and the, the reason I really chose to do this was not only had I felt that I'd been working for a long time, there was many things changing in the world of business. So the internet had come along, that was new, but then um, the, the whole social media um, had come along and business had changed. Business had become digital. The data was more important than even the products she was selling at times. And I just felt like lots of things had changed around me and I hadn't kept up. So that was the other challenge I had to overcome, which was how, how do you keep up? Uh, particularly as you're getting older, with things that are very fast moving and um, highly technical. Um, many things in your working life will change. You probably feel that you understand a lot about uh, the sort of technologies you use now. You've grown up with them, but there'll be something new in your career and there'll be something new, uh, many things that will be new. Um, and, you know, I, I have changed many things. I've changed companies, I've changed countries, I've changed colleagues, but technology was changing around me and uh, I felt like I had to go back and study. Um, and what did I learn at this point? Well, I, I learned that you're never too old to learn. You, you don't have um, a job for life and you, you won't have a job for life. You will have a life of jobs, of different jobs. So off I went to London Business School to do something called a Sloan Fellowship. Now it's quite hard to get into uh, the Sloan Fellowship and I did really only have my Nosley Comprehensive School education plus what I'd learned through my apprenticeship and a business studies degree from Liverpool John Moore's um, um, University which was an, uh, an old polytechnic um, and, and getting into um, to London Business School was, was another challenge I really had to overcome. I, I took the test to get into it and failed the test to get into it three times. But I carried on going and I carried on trying to get better at the test, trying to get quicker, try to, um, try to, to just be more accurate and, and just try to learn more so that I could pass this test. Um, and I guess I learned that um, success is just one more try after failure. Um, it's okay to fail, just keep on trying until you get to be successful. And in the end, I got a place. Um, so I'm sat there in London Business School learning all about the latest and greatest new technology, business models, how you finance businesses, investable businesses, lots of things that um, were really, really interesting to learn. And I'm sat there one day in a lecture theatre and a professor walked in and she said, Everybody in this room's got a 30% chance of living till they're 100. 
and you're going to all work a lot longer. And people, the way that you'll deal with that is you'll embrace that change and you won't have one career, you won't have two careers, you may have three careers. And if you're sat here today, it's because you're curious. So answer this question, what will be your next career? And I have always been curious and I started to think, well, you know, what could be my next career? But nothing came to mind. And it's a bit like when you're in school and someone says, what do you want to be? Nothing comes to mind apart from I like to do my own hair or, you know, sometimes it's what your mum does or your sister does or your dad does or somebody around you or auntie or somebody. Um, or you, some people have a genuine passion. They've known they wanted to be something for, for their whole life, but most people don't. Um, so I started thinking, and I started exploring and I started to go to events and I started to meet different people. Um, so I did all the right things and sometimes you do all the right things, but nothing came. Then randomly one night, and this is a, another random event in my random life, um, my husband and I decided to go to the theatre. And during the interval, we got a glass of wine and we didn't know anybody. We were just sat there chatting to one another and we saw somebody that we knew uh, from years ago in Japan. So when I'd been in Japan, somebody years ago we'd met randomly through the Japanese business world and Japanese business contacts. And he was with a friend. And the friend that he was with was a fellow parent. Their kids went to the same school. And they had, she had had a ticket, her husband couldn't go, and she invited him last minute. So we sat there, we're having a drink in the interval. We started chatting, next minute the bell rings and we all return to our seats and she said to me just as I was leaving have you ever thought about becoming an MP and I said to her that's a that's a bit random why would I get up in the morning and think you know what I'm going to be today I'm going to be an MP I didn't know any MPs I'd never been around an MP so she said to me come come and have a cup of tea in the House of Lords now that's an easy invitation to accept and I'd never been to the House of Lords so I, I off I went and I and went to the, the, the House of Lords for tea. It was another random event, but it started a whole new journey. And I started a completely new world, which is the world of politics at the age of 46. Now, when you go into a new world, you have to start again, almost. So I'd had a long, successful business career, but nobody was interested in that because I hadn't done anything in politics. So I would go to meet people and they would say, well, have you been a councillor? Have you worked in public service? Have you ever done anything for anyone else? Um, or have you just been working in a business? And they couldn't understand that working in a business, obviously you employ lots of people. I'd done lots of things for charity, but none of that counted. They wanted me to have worked in something that showed that I could, I would deliver um, uh, public service. I would be there for other people. So I started what I call uh, my new apprenticeship and it was an apprenticeship to be an MP. Now there isn't an apprenticeship to be an MP. So I thought I'm going to design my own apprenticeship. And I used from all those years earlier, 30 years earlier, what was it that I loved about my apprenticeship? It was going around, getting different skills, learning different things, meeting different people in all the different disciplines within the car factory. And so I wrote, sat down and wrote all the things I knew nothing about. The first was the National Health Service. I'd been born in the National Health Service. I'd never even been ill, so I hadn't stayed a night in hospital, but I, I knew nothing about how it worked. The next was government or local government. I didn't know anything about it worked. So I wrote down a list of all, 
all the things that I would need to do to get this experience, to prove to somebody that I could have a shot at being an MP. And I spent the next three years doing that. Just on the edge of that three years, and I thought I'd probably have five years to do that, there was a snap election called. And so in 2014, I'd met um, Baroness Anne Jenkin, as was her name. She was in the House of Lords. I met her in 2014. In 2017, just about three years later, I was elected to become a Member of Parliament for Chichester. And that was also random. The snap election was called. When there's a snap election, not many people get much notice. And there was not that many people around who were already on the list to be an MP. I had stood to be an MP in uh, Liverpool, where I'm from, uh, but I was rejected. Um, and that was another uh, success uh, is, is one more try after failure. You have to, sometimes you have to fail to be successful. So three years later, I was elected to Chichester, the first female MP in Chichester. And there's lots of female MPs now, about 30%, but in Chichester, they've been sending a member of parliament to some kind of parliament, not even the one we have today, since 1295. So it took them over 700 years to select a woman. Now, not all of those 700 years were women uh, allowed to be MPs or even to vote indeed, but, uh, and in fact, it was only uh, very rich men at the, at the beginning of, of, of time. But, um, but 743 years, I think it was, later, uh, they elected me as their first uh, female member of parliament. Three years after that, I became the Minister for Apprenticeships and Skills, and I'm the first apprentice to ever be the Minister for Apprenticeships and Skills. So what have I learned along the journey? And these are some of the things I want to leave you with. The first is you can change your mind. In fact, you probably should change your mind. You should never be afraid to walk into an open room, into a room and, and open the doors, keep an open mind. In my case, that was hopping on a plane, going to Tokyo. I was terrified. Of course, going into the first business meeting, I was terrified walking off the plane I was terrified but you should never be afraid to just walk into the room and, and give it a go. A smile opens doors and people like being with positive people and this is very important because whatever you're doing in, in, in your life and, and what I've found in all the different jobs I've done and even the one I, I wanted to do if I'd have done that being a hairdresser, all of them involve you getting on with people and people like people they like to be with positive people positive people are motivating negative people are not motivating so don't be a negative person be a positive person and don't admire problems solve them i've noticed there's a lot of people and you find this a lot in in, in politics who will talk about the same problems again and again and again and they'll admire them from a safe distance or from a long distance but they'll never solve them so be the person who tries to solve the problem not just talk about problems i've said already but i do believe really it is um so important and particularly when you're feeling down i've gone through many times in my life where i haven't felt as positive but success is just one more try after failure. I've applied for hundreds of jobs. I've been rejected for hundreds of jobs. I've applied for courses and I've been rejected. 
I was rejected by the voters of Liverpool. And, you know, time and time again, I've been uh, rejected for various roles. But if you keep on trying, you will be successful. Get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. Now, this is where I am now. And I've been uncomfortable many times in my life. The Tokyo business meetings, moving to London was a big step for, for me uh, from Liverpool. Uh, moving to move to Madrid, um, I didn't know anybody there. That was also a big step. Um, but right now, the big step that I'm really uncomfortable with and I'm challenging myself on is, is going onto the television and speaking about politics on telly. Speaking in the chamber was bad enough. Um, but not as many people watch you there. Going on the telly, more people watch you. And then, of course, the other uh, huge anxiety that any politician has that they have to overcome the fear daily is clicking on your Twitter icon and seeing what people are saying about you, which, funnily enough, is not always very nice. You should embrace change. You can and you always should look to try and learn something new. The philosophy I've lived my life by, and it sounds a bit morbid, but I think it's useful. The first 20 years or so of your life are the years that your parents really shape what you do, where you go to school, even in my case, what clothes you wore, because there wasn't that much money for anything, um, where you, um, you, you know, what opportunities you get, whether you learn to drive, those kind of things. The last 10 years of your life, you're usually clinging on to your health. In, in my case, in my family, um, most people end up with dementia. My grandmothers both had dementia before they died. Um, you know, there's a high chance that uh, the same thing could happen to me. And if it happens, it happens. So that takes 30 years of your life. Now, on average, you'll live till you're, I don't know, maybe 90, possibly 100. You could be one of the 30% that lives to 100. But whatever it is, that really is only 50 or 60 years, which are all your own years to make your own decisions, to make your own mistakes, to challenge yourself. And the person, the only person that you're ever gonna be competing with is your inner self. The person that tells you not to open the door, the person that keeps you from, that, that makes you um, hold back. Um, the person, and I was this person, who when somebody asks any questions, you would never put your hand up. I never put my hand up. I was not that person. I was not that confident. So that's that's a philosophy that I think really drives you to do things that make you feel uncomfortable. So get uncomfortable feeling uncomfortable. Never ever underestimate the power of randomness. Love, um, I'd love for, for, for anyone listening or for anybody uh, you know, when I meet them, to also know about the amazing apprenticeships that are on offer. Because apprenticeships, they kind of, they kind of help you on your journey in life. You've got a business supporting you, you've got colleges supporting you or training providers supporting you. And they are really amazing. You can go into any profession. You can become a lawyer, you can become an architect, you can become a nurse, you can become a vet you can become a lab technician, you can even become a space engineer as an apprentice. So what we used to think of as apprenticeships, they're completely different. All they are is a way of you learning and earning at the same time and as somebody else pays for your education. So you don't even have to take a big risk on yourself. You know, somebody else 
helps you to do that and meet them, helps you get it right. And I honestly think those foundation years for me gave me all the confidence I needed because I was not a confident child. Gillian stressed the importance of knocking on doors to get access to the opportunities you want, but also warns against time wasting. Sometimes people have got a real passion. They know what they want to do. They're really good at something. Um, they, they, the doors are very difficult. So there's some doors that are really difficult. Creative is very difficult. You know, uh, I, 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 my, my eldest wants to be a film producer. Well, that's a really difficult door. You have to try for years, but he wants to be a film producer. So he has to keep going until he gets to be a film producer. Now, I don't know how many years he'll knock on the door. And if he doesn't make it, at what point he'll change direction. You can't knock on the door forever because otherwise you're not going to do anything but knock on doors all your life which actually is what a politician does most of the time so uh, maybe that's the full circle but um but i think there's many ways to get round to get to other places as well sometimes you need to go a, a longer route to get to the same place so um for me i never had a, a, a particular door that i knew i wanted to break down i was really just open. I wanted to get a good job. I wanted to get a good career. I wasn't really, I did want to be a hairdresser, but I was persuadable because I didn't know much about careers. That's that's the other thing. Sometimes you're in an area where you don't actually see that many people who have these amazing careers and you don't know what is possible. But um, yeah, I, I guess there's a balance between, um, but, but what I wouldn't do, and I think some people maybe do do is dream of being something and spend their whole life knocking on the door and getting nowhere. I wouldn't do that because, you know, life's too short. You've only got your 50 or 60 years. So, you know, and you want to be able to, you know, get on in life. Gillian has always been aware of the times in her life that she needed to change. I was getting a bit bored and also I was getting a bit restless. Um, so when I went to Madrid, I thought I'd go for two years. I'd uh, learn about this country, I'd learn the language, I'd enjoy myself. My husband at the time was in London, so it was a bit of an upheaval for him. Uh, by the way, that's another bit of advice, get somebody who supports you. Um, whoever your partner in life is, make sure that they're very supportive um, and that they want you to be your best, because that's really important as well. Um, anyway, I'd been there for eight years, and so eight years going backwards and forwards between the two of us, it just seemed like quite a long time. And the company was being sold, and I was going to get a bit of money from that. So that was another sort of gateway where it seemed to be the right way, the right time for me to go, because that gave me enough money to be able to go uh, and study full time for a year. Um, so that was that was the kind of catalyst. But I guess I'd done 30 years of traveling you know, all over the world at that point, um, which is kind of glamorous, but it's not glamorous for 30 years because it's not as glamorous as it looks. Um, so, I, and, and the thing you also, you also quite often when you've had a lot of one thing, you yearn for something else. So I really yearned for community because I felt my only community were the people on the, on the plane going to Madrid from London every week as I was. Um, or, or my husband going back every we did it every other weekend we shared the, the, the trip um, and I didn't feel like I really belonged in a community because I was a bit transient um, and that was really what I was that was really what I was I was craving but it took me a while to figure out what I was craving when Theresa May called a snap election in 2017 Gillian decided to push her boundaries and move forward 
in pursuit of a political career? I felt, um, at, at first I thought, oh my God, this could be it. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I was supposed to have another, it's supposed to be 2020. I'm supposed to have another three years to practice, to get good at speaking publicly, to get good at speeches. I, it's too soon. I need those three years. That was the first thought. The second thought when, and then I thought, you know, sometimes you just have to go for it. You're not ready. You haven't done all your prep. You don't feel you're fully ready, but sometimes the opportunity comes in front of you and you just have to go for it. When I was actually trying to get selected and Chichester came up where I was a district councillor and the guy had decided to retire, well, then I felt like I was, I was a striker in the World Cup that had been given one ball and I had to just get it into the net to take the penalty, but I could miss it because there was three uh, people they got to choose from. But the fact it was my um, home seat where I, well, not my home, but it was where I was living and I'd been a district councillor there. I thought I had a bit of an advantage and I just needed to make sure I, 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 I sort of kicked the goal. But of course, we'll kick the ball on the goal, but, but I knew um, if, I lo if I missed it, I knew that would be it. I wouldn't get another opportunity. Gillian talked about her research in high dropout rates for apprentices. I was really surprised when I started my job to see the high, um, it's not a dropout rate, it's the non-completion rate, which we're not 100% sure why are they not completing, are they dropping out or whatever. Because when I did my apprenticeship, and I was really lucky to get an apprenticeship, I left school in the 1980s, 1984, and there was mass unemployment then. It was like three million unemployed. Um, it was that song, one in 10, UB40, I was one in 10 on the dole. Youth opportunities were nowhere. So when I got an apprenticeship, it was like getting the golden ticket. I was the one, I got the opportunity, whether that had been hairdressing or whether it was the one in the car factory. Many people didn't get those opportunities. So I couldn't understand it. Why on earth would you give up on an apprenticeship when they're so brilliant? And I looked into it and effectively what's happened is they've introduced something called an end point assessment. And that end point assessment isn't always at the same time as your qualification. So I think what's happening, and I'm doing more work into this, is that people are doing their apprenticeship. Sometimes they leave, they don't like it, they don't like the job, that happens. But sometimes they get to the point where they know what they're doing, they've passed their qualification, whatever it was, their BTEC or whatever, and this endpoint assessment thing is, doesn't mean anything. So that's the other thing that we're trying to make sure the system works much better meaningful to people so i think there's a bit of artificial elements in the process which stop people going to the end but we are doing it investigating because more and more people now want apprenticeships so we have to make sure they want to stay on them as well and they're really good quality now we've done a lot to help with quality in the early days possibly the quality wasn't good enough in some cases If you would like to learn more about Rising Girl and how they can help you rise and achieve your dreams or to watch the full hour long Q&A session we had with Gillian Keegan, please go to risinggirl.co.uk or the NAS Legacy Facebook page. And if you would like more information on the work NAS Legacy does to empower young people and raise aspirations and promote positive integration, please visit naslegacy.org. We'll see you next week. Bye. Choose my